1: Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, Mary Kay, Scott, and I are taking 10 questions from our Football Insider subscribers. What is Football Insider? Well, come on, you've been listening to this podcast, you know what it is, so get yourself signed up so you can get... A newsletter every morning with exclusive content written by one of our Browns reporting team members. Uh, you get uh, a chance to be a part of our texting services, which is where I got these questions from, and you get access to exclusive articles on cleveland.com slash Browns. So head to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the info and to get signed up. All right, here's our Wednesday podcast. And away we go on our Wednesday podcast. We are taking questions from our texters. 10 questions, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko. We're going to get right to it. And, of course, we had questions about the draft. We're going to start here from the 915 area code. If you were to mock the draft without getting into specific names, how many players would be on defense and how many on offense? Or if you want to give a percentage, however you you want to name that. Uh, how heavy do you think the Browns would go on defense versus offense, Mary Kay?
0: I mean, I think they'll go a little heavier on, on defense because they need um, more defensive guys. But what we don't know yet is what their plans are at wide receiver. If we knew what their plans are at wide receiver, then, of course, we would have a better idea of what they might do uh, from an offensive standpoint. Uh, and and I, I have a feeling they're probably going to need to draft a receiver or two. Uh, so, you know, I think it'll actually be fairly even, possibly a little bit more weighted towards defense just from a body standpoint.
1: And Scott, I'm looking yeah. at a post of yours. Just, it looks like eight draft picks for the Browns as of right now.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would suspect it would be kind of even. They, I mean, it was three, with three and four last year, uh, three defenders. If they drafted. So, I mean, keep in mind, you're not going to fix your entire team just based on the draft. You're bringing in free agents, you're trading for some people. Um, and, you know, the draft is at the end of all that. So, uh, but I would suspect they're going to be kind of even because ideally this Browns team is drafting for depth. That's what you want to be. You want to be a successful team that isn't drafting because you need to draft somebody to come in and be a starter right away. You're drafting for depth. And when you do that, you want to kind of sprinkle it around and cover a lot of bases. So I would suspect it'd be pretty even. And I think we saw last
1: year, they, especially as they got later in the draft, I mean, some of the need versus best player kind of aligned early in the draft, but as it kind of went along, it sort of seemed like they were just going kind of on who they liked at a certain spot, not necessarily position. You know, I mean, they drafted Nick Harris in the fifth round, Donovan Peoples Jones, they, they took in the sixth round. They didn't address receiver earlier in the draft. So that obviously wasn't a priority. He's there in the sixth. So you grab him. I mean, maybe even Harrison Bryant was, was a case of that tight end. They liked, and he was there at the right spot on their board. So um, it it seems to me like they're going to really focus on taking, you know, a best player available approach with a lot of these picks. And when you're picking 26, that's, that's kind of what it's about. The other thing though, to keep in mind, and Scott, you mentioned it, the word trade, there's a chance that some of these picks, we, we could see a Ronnie Harrison type trade. We could see them go after a veteran corner, maybe, or a veteran edge rusher. You know what? It, it might not just be free agency and drafting guys. There's a really good chance that Andrew Barry's going to take some of these assets, either this draft or next draft and move them for an established player.
0: I, I think so. I think that's something to watch for. He likes to do that. He likes to uh, look for those diamonds in the rough. And that was a really good trade he made for Ronnie Harrison. Uh, for a fifth round pick a guy who I believe will end up being there starting safety for a long time. That's the plan. He's young. They got him, you know, kind of in his prime. Uh, they got him for great value and, you know, at, at a good price point as well. So um, I think that they'll look for more guys like that. Now there's not a whole bunch of uh, great edge rushers laying around that people are just <laughs> willing to give up. Uh, so, you know, you do have to kind of find uh, the Jadavian clownies, you know, a guy like that, that, that might, you know, just kind of shake loose in free agency. Uh, so, you know, keep an eye out for those kind of guys, because, you know, you can fill a need there for a year or two, you know, they would be willing to spend the money to do that if somebody becomes available like that.
1: Okay, question number two. This is from Dave from Dayton, also a draft question. And this is kind of a, a what would you expect? And I think he's talking about the number 26 pick here. Uh, are the Browns more likely to do one of these three things? Draft a wide receiver, trade up, or trade back?
2: Whoever wants to go first here.
0: <laughs> go ahead, Scott. I
2: think, guys, I I, look, if you're talking about the number 26 pick, yeah. Well,
1: we'll limit to,
2: to the 26th I would put, Yeah. I would put Jack, the wide receiver at the bottom of that list because I don't, I think if you're in that spot and you're, and you're looking for somebody who can come in and be a contributor right away, I, you're not going to get one of the top receivers in that spot. I wouldn't think you're probably looking at a linebacker maybe, um, or an edge rusher um, more, more so than a wide receiver. I think this, this team, and obviously we'll know more once we get through free agency and, and all that, but if they're standing pat with the receivers they have, they certainly don't need to draft a receiver in the first round. Um, so I would say it's more likely that they would trade uh, than draft a receiver at twenty-six.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I I think it does come down to what do they decide to do with with Odell, uh-huh. uh, and and some of that is is going to be predicated on also, you know, what he wants to do. I think they need to sit down. They all need to sit down and kind of talk through all of this. And if they all decide that moving forward together is the right thing to do, then you move forward. Um, if they decide that it's not the right thing to do, then obviously they have to try to trade Odell. So then they would be getting something in return for that, you know, probably something pretty good. So, um, so, yeah, then that become that does open up the possibility if they do that, that you could be looking at a first round receiver and you might have to trade up to get a good one because, as you mentioned, Scott, the best ones would be gone by 26th, theoretically. So, we'll know by then. We should, we'll know by then whether or not that's in play. And I would not rule that out at this point.
1: Mary Kay is hey, taking two of those, two of those options. <laughs>
2: ahead, I know we're kind of, it's almost like we're conditioned to say uh, when, when the Browns figure out what they want to do with Odell, what about Jarvis? Uh, he's maybe a little more of a tra- an attractive situation. If you want to move on from a receiver, because what he only has, I mean, 3 million in dead cap compared to Odell. Who's 12 to 14. I, I don't have in front right from me right now, but I know it's a lot more. Um, is that, a I mean, are we, are we just kind of ruling that out that, that they would do that with like Jarvis Landry would be a cap casualty or they would try to move him just because of his contract?
0: You know what? It's a, it's a good question. And it's a, it's a question that I don't really know the answer to at this point. I mean, I feel like he is a good building block for this receiving core and he is, you know, it, he would it would be hard to replace both of those guys in one year. But you are looking at a lot of money. I mean, you're looking at $29 million tied up in those two guys in years when you want to extend a lot of your people. So, you know, maybe you move on from both of them at the same time. Maybe you move on from one. Maybe you try to trade. It, these are some big decisions they have to make. But you're right. And, it, you know, it's it's very, uh, you know, it's very appropriate to point out that Jarvis has only a $3 million dead cap because they don't have to try to trade him. I mean, they could just move on from yeah. him. With yeah. Odell, they have to trade him because he's got already $12.791 million guaranteed based on his injury. So they're already on the hook for that. And then if he's on the roster, then, uh, then they owe him $15.25 million for the season. So that one becomes a little trickier. But still, I think friendly enough, for a good team to pick up a player like that if you think you're that piece away from going to the Super Bowl
1: yeah I I don't know that they would just outright cut Jarvis because I think there's still value there like you could trade him for a pick I don't know where the pick would be Um, I'm I'm pro bringing Jarvis back but nothing would surprise me with this front office at all and if, if they do they'll have a plan in mind I mean maybe you you know, I, I was starting to look at some free agent wide receivers a little bit today. You know, would would you trade Jarvis and bring in a guy like a Corey Davis, who might not be as expensive, maybe can do some, some more things? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so the, I mean, they could juggle things around like that. So um, there, there's a lot of possibilities there. I, I would say in answer to the question, I think I would go trade up. Not to like the top 10, but like I, f- I feel like they'll have an idea of who they want at 26. And I don't know that they would trade down. I mean, how much farther could you trade down? Right. You know, they, they wouldn't trade out of the first round. So maybe there's a guy they really like and they target him at say 23, you know, so a small trade up, I, I think would, would maybe be them. And maybe it is for a wide receiver, depending on what they do with, with Jarvis and Odell. Um, okay. So those were our two draft questions uh, here is actually the senior bowl. It's oh, off. So we're, more- we're getting lots of stuff on Twitter about the draft today. Go ahead, Mary Kay.
0: One more thing real quick about that. As far as trading, back is concerned what you wouldn't want to do is trade out of the first round because then you lose the fifth year option so if you are going to trade down you're not going to go out of the first round you would only move you know how many ever notches back not beyond 32
1: yeah and and i'm not sure how much value there is in in doing in in making a move like that if you're staying in the first round um okay Of course, there were free agency questions. So our third question comes from the 330 area code. So every year there's like a priority position and it's usually one of the first guys a team signs. You know, I think Austin Hooper was one of the, or was it Jack Conk? That was one of those two. was like the first guy, the Browns signed last year. Um, So what do you think is the single number one position they'll be seeking to improve in free agency the guy that'll be that first move that they make. Now it might not actually technically be their first move, but you know, you know what he's saying here, but this person is saying the priority, the number one guy that if they can sign him as soon as four o'clock hits on whatever day, the, the league year starts, it's going to be that position.
0: I'd go edge rusher. If, if there's an edge rusher available, a really good one, like, like a clowny. If there's somebody like that, then I think they would identify that guy because the truth of the matter is, I mean, I really just don't think that Olivier Vernon is going to come back. I mean, he's in the last year of his contract. He's coming off a ruptured Achilles and he is, I don't know. I think he might be 30 for, for next season. Um, so therefore I would think that they're going to go younger and, uh, and they need somebody and, and, I would think that if there's, uh, that guy is out there, if that Jadavian Clowney is out there, uh, I think that they would be all over that.
2: Yeah, Olivier is already 30. So yeah, you're right. He, um, turns,
1: he turns 31 in October.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> um, I'm tempted to say edge rusher too, um, just because I think that's a, a position without having really dived in deep or dove in deep on edge rushers in the draft and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> But I, on the other hand, I just want to say they want to draft somebody that will improve their speed on defense. If that's a linebacker, if that's a uh, – I'm sorry, if somebody who has speed on defense, whether it's a linebacker or or, or corner or, or safety or somebody in the middle of the field, that's something they clearly need to improve going into this next season. Um, it just became really apparent playing the Chiefs and at various times throughout the season that they just lack that speed uh, – on this defense. And if they get somebody who can address that, that would be a great way to start off free agency.
1: I would say, um, you know, I like the idea of an edge rusher. I personally, I, I would stay away from Jadavian Clowney, uh, but I would definitely look at Yannick Ngakwe if he hits free agency. know, um, he'll be expensive, but I'm going to say trade for a corner. I, I think maybe the league year starts off with the Browns m- making sort of what we talked about earlier trading one of those draft picks, whether it's one of those thirds or something like that for a veteran corner that a team can't afford or doesn't want, you know, I don't know. I, I know people on Twitter are throwing out uh, Marshawn Lattimore. I don't haven't looked into who it could be or who could be available or what it would cost. But um, I, I think that would be, that would be my number one expectation is that corner would be at the top of the list. And I, wonder if they would just make a deal instead of going into free agency and trying to sign a guy. Andrew Berry loves to do, you know, those basketball type trades, or at least try to cook up those basketball type trades that, you know, he sort of tried with Clowney last year that ended up not, they weren't allowed to do it. Um, but that, he kind of, he thinks like that a little bit. He's kind of that, that new school GM who, you know, sort of thinks like a, an NBA GM sometimes and, and tries to come up with creative ways and isn't afraid to use those draft assets to go get a guy.
0: So you're thinking that Greedy Williams, yeah, you're not putting a lot of faith or stock into Greedy coming back, Dan. Are you sort of skeptical about that?
1: I mean, how could you? There's, there's no way that, that you can go into next year thinking, I and mean, obviously, look, the Browns have more information than, than we have, but there's no way you can go into next year thinking Greedy Williams is the guy there based on health and based on what we've seen on the field. I, I just think you're, this team is beyond the point of let's find out about this guy especially at a position that important. I think they've got to know what they have over there. Um, you know, especially if they pay Denzel this off season, I think you've just got to have another guy over there who is, you know, a top end corner, uh, especially because that guy will end up being your number one corner for a few games. Cause we know Denzel will miss a few games here and there. That, that's sort of been the track record. So you really want to have another really reliable guy over there that, that can step in when necessary.
0: Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you, you on that, that, you know, I think if they get Greedy back, they have to view that almost as a bonus. And there's no way that they would come out and say that right now because Greedy's working so hard to come back. So I would go ahead and re-sign Terrence Mitchell because I think he's a good solid piece for you there. Uh, whether or not he starts again or he's a backup, I think he could be part of a rotation. Uh, you know what you're getting. And I thought he did a nice job for the most part. Uh, but I do think that they have to to really look long and hard at a starter opposite Denzel.
1: Okay. Question four. Uh, this is about the Browns in-house free agency from the 614 area code. And there were a lot of one-year deals on this team, um, but here we go. Who are the top priority Browns free agents for them to resign? Is there a guy that you're looking at on this Browns team that's headed for free agency that you think should be a priority uh, for them to resign. There's, there's a whole lot of names to choose from, like I said, with those, those one year deals. Uh, but there are some interesting names as well. And Mary Kay, I think you might have just mentioned one, right? Terrence yeah. Mitchell.
0: Yeah. Can you read off some of the other names?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can give you some some key names here. Uh, so Olivier Vernon, Kevin Johnson, Terrence Mitchell, Carl Joseph, BJ Goodson, uh, Kendall Lamb, Sandejo. Uh, Malcolm Smith. We'll skip over a couple of these names: Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Rashard Higgins,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Kedarl Hodge. Now, some of these guys are restricted. Like Kedarl Hodge is a restricted,
0: mm-hmm. uh, so we'll take
1: yeah. him out of the mix here. Yeah, those are really those are really the big, the import, the kind of important names um, that that I listed off there. You know,
0: if I had to pick the the number one out of all of those guys, I would probably go Richard Higgins. I, I probably would because, you know, I think he just has that chemistry with Baker. I think that there's more there where that came from. I think he excels in this offense. Uh, and I think he's a key piece in the wide receiver room. I would go with him before almost anybody else on the list.
2: Yeah. I mean, on defense, we talked about, but uh, I do think Higgins, Um, is somebody you want to bring back. And I would be surprised if they don't re-sign JoJo Natson. They obviously wanted him here in the first place, Mm -hmm. Um, and then he got hurt. He's a guy with speed. He's a guy that we saw on the field a lot in training camp with the starters. Um, He didn't really do much in the first three games offensively, but uh, it seems like he's somebody that they had – some plans for uh, that they wanted to use in different ways. And, and like I said, he's, he's really fast. So um, I think Nansen and Higgins are your, are your offensive guys. Nobody for Cody Parkey, nobody. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I, I think we've, Hey, maybe we'll get a good kicker battle next year.
2: <laughs> we're going to have six kickers in, in training camp.
1: <laughs> we need, we need a good kicker battle. They owe us that after this last off season. Um, let's see. So you guys both signal singled out, Higgins, uh, it's hard for me to go against that one. I I think I'm probably going to jump on that one, too. I think he should probably be one of their priorities um, to bring back because Olivier Vernon is so – it's just so difficult to know how he's going to come back, when he's going to be ready. We mentioned the age. Um, I I do wonder if there's maybe some small deal they can do with him just to kind of see how he comes back, knowing that he's not going to be – I mean, he's he's probably not going to be – he won't be ready by the start of the season, so – you know, he's, he's a tough one to figure out. Uh, But had he stayed healthy, I think he would be near the top of this list as, as a guy you'd want to bring back uh, as a priority with the way he played in that second half. And I'm also curious a little bit about Carl Joseph, maybe what he would cost depending on the status of Grant Delpit and and his health um, to start the season. If you could get Carl Joseph on maybe a a reasonable deal, but I wouldn't include him as a priority. Okay. uh, Speaking of the guy we just mentioned, what kind of contract offer can Hollywood Higgins expect to get this offseason? So it's hard to attach numbers to these, but has he finally at least reached the point where he can get a multi-year offer?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I think he's, he's ready to hit his uh, his payday. And um, let me see real quick. Um, usually there's a market value that you can find
1: yeah I want to see if that's on over the cap somewhere
0: uh, yeah so and they're pretty close to yeah there, here's here's market value on Richard uh, they, these guys usually they usually do a really nice job with this so his market value according to spotrackcom or however you say that, some people say spokeperson <laughs> <Spot laughs> Low track. I don't know how to say it. I've never heard got it
1: pronounced. A- <laughs> They've got a branding issue. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, four years, $24.7 million for an average of $6.189 million per year, which I think is a really, really good value for him. Uh, I, I would go ahead and do that every day of the week. So I, I think that if you could get him for that amount of money, I would do that. I think it's well worth it.
2: Oh yeah, he's definitely worth more than with the 900k he was making this year or whatever. He uh, he proved his worth, and I don't think he's going to go out on the free agent market and really cash in. But um, at the same time, he's definitely going to get offers, or you know, he's going to have possibilities to come back to the Browns and say, you know, look, other people clearly want me. I don't have to come crawling back this year.
0: And you know what? somebody else to keep an eye on i gotta check and make sure if he's going to become a free agent but if if he is uh real quick is brachard perriman
1: yes he is he is a free agent
0: okay so just just keep an eye on him he's somebody that you know he brings speed he was here before they liked and i I would uh i he's just somebody that i think would probably be on the radar
1: i wonder if brachard's actually going to get like a four-year offer I, I don't know. I think it would probably be, you know, these contracts are never actually four-year contracts. They're all two-year deals anyway, but, um, you know, yeah. You could approve
2: it deal somewhere. Like,
1: yeah, let's say three horse. years, three years, 18 million, something like that. That seems pretty reasonable yeah. <laughs> for, a, for a guy that you know, uh, you know is going to be there. He's going to be reliable, and, and he's going to work hard because, you know, like we talked about at the beginning of this season, it was hard to know if this coaching staff even wanted him on the field because he wasn't playing. And he was inactive a bunch. And then when his opportunity came, he, he took advantage of it. Okay, now we're going to talk about the current team. Some questions here from the 513 area code. Which two 2020 draftees uh, do you think will take the biggest leap between year one and year two? There are some real options here. Scott?
2: Oh, the easy one would be Grant Del, but He's going to take a heck of a leap <laughs> compared to what <laughs> he did so. this year. <laughs> Right. Uh, I mean, you would hope that Jacob Phillips is one of those guys is, is the guy who does that because they really need a linebacker to have an impact on this team, like every down. And I don't know how many of the guys who are currently on the roster are going to be back because of the one year deals. And just because of, you know, how, how much longer do you stick with Mac Wilson? Um, did Sony Taki give you enough this year to 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 want to keep him around? I mean, he was good against the run. He's a really good tackler, but you know, he's not somebody that you're going to have on on the field for three downs. So if Jacob Phillips is that guy who who really and he's got a big you know jump to make, he did not grade very well for uh, PFF. He was near the bottom or at the bottom, I think, in, in defensive grade. I would put him there. And then, I mean, at tight end, we don't know what's going to happen with David Njoku. So if Harrison Bryant is a guy that makes a jump, he had a pretty good season for a rookie for a rookie yeah. tight end. I mean, it was a good year. So I, you know, I don't see him. He's not going to challenge Austin Hooper. I don't think for, for most catches at tight end. I don't know if there's a lot of room for him to make a huge jump this year. Uh, J.C. Treder a cap casualty? Maybe Nick Harris pulls into, <laughs> moves into center, and he makes that leap. I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't think Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be a starter this year. So there isn't a lot of options on offense, I don't think. Um, so I think Jacob Phillips might be that your best bet as far as guys who, if they make a leap, it, it's, it's really going to be a big deal for this team.
0: I'm going to go with Donovan Peoples-Jones. There was just something about him that – I really was impressed with this whole entire season. He is so aware of where he's supposed to be on the field. He runs good routes. Uh, he seemed to have, he seemed to be able to get open, and he catches everything that comes his way. I mean, he is ready for the ball, which is not always that easy uh, to be that when you have Baker Mayfield uh, making some off schedule plays. I mean, you never really exactly quite know when you're on a scramble drill or whatever, but he stays ready and he catches everything that comes his way. I think he only dropped one pass this season, I think. Um, in terms of, I don't have the stats in front of me. Uh, do you have them, Dan? Like how many catches and yards? and?
2: I, I don't know. He had 16 catches in 23 targets, 335 yards, two touchdowns. He did have okay. the one drop.
0: So I think there is enormous room for him to take a huge leap in year two. And I think he even made a case to be a starter next year. And one of the reasons why I think that happened is because I think that Chad O'Shea is a phenomenal wide receivers coach. I think he coached him up really, really well. I think Donovan took the coaching really well. And I think there's so much more there I think that, I think they got a steal on Donovan Peoples-Jones in the sixth round of the draft. And I actually expect some really big things from him next year.
2: So, so who's starting with Donovan Peoples-Jones in the scenario where, where he becomes a starter this season?
0: (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know. They're in three wides a lot, you know, I mean, not, not a ton, but I think he'll, I think he can be, he'll be one of the three. And I don't know if it's Donovan Rashard and Jarvis or Donovan Odell. And, you know, I just think that he's going to be one of the receivers that is going to be on the field way more than he was this year. And I think, I think he's got the potential uh, to catch, you know, 30, 40 passes. I, I just think that, that he needs to be on the field more. I, I think he really needs to be on the field. So he Phelps- have a knack
2: for a big plays. So that's, that's for sure. Phillips was one of
1: my guys um, you know if, if they're ready to throw this at him I, I wonder if they would uh, you know let, let him work at Mike next year that's what they did uh, in the Pittsburgh game when, when BJ Goodson was out so that, that might depend on what they decide to do with, with Goodson um, so he, he was one of my guys another guy to just keep an eye on is Jordan Elliott you know, didn't hear his name a lot this year uh, Larry Ogunjobi probably gone um, you know we don't know we don't know anything about Andrew Billings. So, you know, Jordan Elliott might get some more opportunities uh, coming into this season. They're going to need somebody on the interior of that line uh, to kind of see what they can do. So he's one of the guys that, that I would also keep an eye on and, and Brian, those are all good options, right? all those guys could, could certainly make leaps. Even Jedrick Wills has an opportunity, you know, to, to make a leap and, and be better in year two. Yeah. Um, okay. So this one, this one's going to make us think a little bit here. What's the best contract this team has? Well, I know the answer to that. Well, then you go first. I, I got a couple bouncing around my head, but but you go first.
2: Wyatt Teller, he's going to cost the Browns nine hundred twenty thousand dollars this season. Possibly, uh, you know, best guard in the in the NFL for uh, according to PFF, definitely in the top five. You know, if you want to look at, at other metrics, but. Uh, I think Wyatt Teller for right now is, is the best deal you got going on this team.
1: There's a lot of good options for this because there's a lot of young guys on rookie contracts. Mary Kay, do you have one or should I throw mine out? You go ahead. Well, I'm not, I'm going to go with a really obvious one. I'm going to say your quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's still on a rookie deal. Maybe he gets extended, but, but he would still have likely have that one year of a low salary Um, I'm looking at over the cap right now. His base salary this year is $920,000. Uh, he's got a cap hit of $10 million, which is a bargain for a guy who is a franchise quarterback who can win, who has won playoff games and you believe can take you to that next level. So I'm going with a real obvious answer here and, and Baker Mayfield, uh, on his rookie deal, um, There's some other options there, though, too, that that if you just look at the fact that guys are on rookie deals and their positional value, you can really find some 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 contracts on this team that are still really good.
0: Well, the the thing is, the guys that we are talking about are all, you know, up for extensions (laughs) or or they haven't
1: gotten them yet.
0: You know they yeah. haven't. Yet. I mean, so obviously we're talking about guys that I mean, because you could put Nick Chubb in this category as well. I mean, yep. Nick Chubb is due to make one point like four million dollars next year or something like that, which is a huge bargain. So they're all still in their bargain year, but they're years, but they're all due to get paid. So this is almost a trick question, <laughs> right? Oh, because, it's
1: absolutely a trick question.
0: <laughs> because you'd almost have to talk about a guy that's been redone already or extended already so that you could kind of grade how they did but but most of those guys I mean Miles has been redone but mostly everybody is up to be redone that's on this team you've got a you've got the decisions to make on, on all these guys we just talked about that are free agents if you want to keep them or not and then you've got to redo Denzel you got to redo Baker you got to do Nick Chubb. I mean, Kareem Hunt is, is somebody that has been redone that you can say, that's a really good deal. So yeah. I'm going to pick that one because that one's already been redone and it's, it was done in a way, in a creative way that protected the club and paid the player. So he was able to get upfront bonus money. He was able to make millions. He was able to average $6 million a year, which is pretty good for everything that he's been through. Uh, they didn't have to pay him you know whatever these astronomical sums of 12 million dollars that some of these first round running backs are making or or top running backs are making and the deal is structured in such a way that it's incentive laden so he gets one hundred and fifty thousand dollars every time he plays a game so you're protecting the club i mean if he like went off the rails or something they don't have to worry about it they don't so that is what I would consider to be one of those brilliant Harvard, smart, smart deals that you can honestly say, wow, they did something really cool there. And I think that's the kind of thing that they're going to probably have to do with Nick Chubb if they want to make it work for everybody involved. I've been thinking about the Nick Chubb deal. Somebody asked me about that the other day for a for Hey, MK. I mean, with the 1.4 next year, and then if you franchised him at like 10 or 11 or whatever that would be, you're still looking at two years for about $6 million or $6.5 million. So that wouldn't be the worst way to go if they can't agree on something this offseason.
1: Yeah, Chubb is going to – I'm really curious to see how they approach Chubb um, mm-hmm. this offseason. If they, they tried to kind of pay him now and set it up so they can get out of it in a, in a few years or – if they wait, like you said, maybe take that approach of franchising him when he hits free agency next year, there's a lot of different things they can do. This kind of goes with question number eight. It's kind of weird to be talking about this stuff right now and guys who might get extensions and guys who might get paid because Terry Richards from Phoenix, Arizona wants to know how different this off season is for us, not discussing coaching quarterback carousels or obsessing over mock drafts because every year for a while there, every, every off season was a new coaching search. (laughs) And, and I think that's sort of uh, for that. That's the big difference this year. We're not having introductory press conferences, or I guess they'd be on zoom now Um, introductory press conferences. We're not meeting new coordinators or new position coaches. This is still a weird off season because we're not going to be going to the combine this year. Uh, None of us are at the senior bowl this year. How different is this off season? Is, are you guys adjusting (laughs) does it feel weird
2: right now it feels like a normal offseason other than the fact that we're not talking about coaches um but we'll know for sure once we get we know there's no combines we'll know once for sure once we get to the draft and then rookie camp if there's rookie camp and OTAs that's when if it's if it's shut down again then it'll feel like all right this is still weird but that's I think when when it can really get back to normal at least from my perspective
0: I'll tell you what This is, and I'm really feeling it this off season. This is a really weird off season for me in that right now I would be in Mobile, Alabama. Okay, And some of the, the best work that you get done in the off season is at some of these events in Mobile, Alabama, when you're at the senior bowl and you're talking to general managers and you're talking to coaches and you're talking to players. I mean, it, it's been amazing. I, re- I remember one year at the senior bowl, like I did one-on-one interviews with Carson Wentz, just me and my phone and Carson Wentz <laughs> in a hallway. I've done one-on-one interviews with Josh Allen at the senior bowl. So it's a really, it was a really good place to get to know players like that, that might end up on your team. In addition to that, you know, you, you get to talk to, the general manager general manager of your team there and you talk to your your coach there and then you talk to all the other agents general managers and coaches so it's like a gold mine okay so that's not happening this year then right after that one week later you go down to the super bowl and or up to the super bowl or over to the uh-huh. super bowl <laughs> and that's another gold mine it's the radio roll gold mine of oh there's Jarvis there's Von Miller there's baker mayfield there's you know there's odell beckham jr and it's just like a cornucopia of interviews that, that you can get there right uh then after that we all go to the combine which is uh every day full of stories you know and content Four
1: or five of the longest days of your life
0: yeah yeah A bunch of long days, combine ages you, but once again, you know, you talk to every general manager and every coach that you could want to talk to either standing there at the podium and you have your own general manager and your own coach that you cover all the time standing there, but then you get everybody else's coach and general manager, and then you get all the hallway stuff. And we don't have any of that this year. And so (laughs) we are going to have to be really creative in coming up with with content and I think even as like the pro football writers I think we should try to somehow find ways where we like where we do the combine thing where we can all get on a on a a zoom with Kevin Colbert if we want to from the Steelers you know what I mean like so that we can all you know talk to uh, Robert Sala from the Jets about you know what I mean it's just That's what's different for me is just not being able to do all that. How about you, Dan?
1: Well, unfortunately, we can't create recreate the uh the JW
0: Marriott on
1: Zoom. (laughs) But uh
0: (laughs) never recreate the JW. We
1: can never recreate one in the morning at the uh the JW Marriott on Zoom. But um yeah, I mean it's just sort of uh it's it's just kind of weird not doing an introductory press conference for a coach or you know trying to figure out who they're going to hire as coordinators and and things like that. So it's it's just been a little quieter, I think. But also, we're not that far removed from covering a football game. So uh, so that's kind of the you know kind of readjusting now to that that off season life since we got to experience playoff life finally. Uh, okay, from the two seven two. Just a
2: second. Oh, just we never picked the worst contract we never talked about the world oh, contract are right that we don't have did you guys did. have ideas for that
0: mm.
2: i had one idea i mean it might it might be jarvis's
1: contract which doesn't mean that jarvis isn't a valuable player that's a big number though i mean that that might <laughs> be one i mean i guess you have to balance the player with the money so because jarvis is so good it's, you almost are fine paying him that amount of
0: money that, what, that one doesn't bother me so much. I don't know. What do you think, Scott?
2: What about Austin Hooper?
0: Oh, I don't
2: want to, I mean, yeah, turn this into buyer's remorse all of a sudden, but he's going to make 8.2 million this year, and then it jumps up to 13 million over the next two seasons. How do you yeah. feel about paying Austin Hooper 13 million in two years?
0: Well, you know what? He didn't have the opportunity. I mean, like in, in Atlanta, I mean, look at the, the Atlanta what was it like 75 catches last year to the targets and catches he had this year. In fact, that, that Kansas city game, I, I keep saying this over and over again, Austin Hooper had 16 yard, two catches for 16 yards in that game. Jarvis had seven for 20. And I thought that that was those two guys. When you con- contrast that with what Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill did for the chiefs, 100 and 100, uh, you know, you, you need your big guys like that. Your big money guys, to, to produce in a big way in your big games, in your playoff games. And, and that didn't happen. So that's a good point, Scott. that That's a really good point. If, you, if, if the opportunities aren't going to be there for you to catch 70 passes for a thousand yards and six or seven TDs, do you need to pay that guy 13 and a half million dollars? I don't know.
1: Yeah. You've got to be aware. You've got to be aware that Atlanta, fantasy football offense a little bit and yeah you know was was that the result of austin hooper's numbers or is is that player still in there and maybe he just didn't get that opportunity um this year but yeah you know i'm looking through here some of these cap numbers and over the cap and you know again you can make the case for a guy like jarvis but we've seen how valuable he is you can make a case for odell but like odell when he's healthy is you know a, a dynamic receiver Sheldon Richardson is expensive, but again, he's he was one of the most reliable guys on this team last year. So a a lot of the really big numbers are guys that at the very least you look at and say, I want that guy on my team. Yeah.
0: I I I I would say Ah. I think that Austin Hooper will probably be more productive in the passing game next year because once again, He was sort of a victim of the first half of the season when the passing game just hadn't come together yet. Next year, they're going to be building on what they did in the second half of this year. And they should be starting from that point. Therefore, those two guys, I think will have their chemistry right from the start. And I think they'll, I think they'll try to showcase them a little bit more and I think it will go better. And he also, had an appendectomy in the middle of the season and um so yeah i i think i think it'll probably go better next year but it's something to keep an eye on you know if you need to pay that guy that much depending on uh, how many targets there are going to be available
1: yeah okay uh let's see here question nine from the 272 area code if the Browns are still playing this time next year, what are we talking about as the reason they were able to keep the Chiefs from their third straight Super Bowl? The really easy answer here is it's really hard to get to three straight Super Bowls, yeah. <laughs> uh, and event, eventually Patrick Mahomes will, you know, actually lose a playoff game that isn't somebody jumping off sides to negate an interception. He'll actually have a bad game or, or something like that. Um, what, what are we talking about? Why? Why is it happening? And let's just assume everybody's healthy. It's not one of those Chad Henney situations
2: again.
0: Yeah, you go, Scott.
2: And I think it's going to be because you you built a defense that could better deal with, with that. Maybe because you learned your lesson and limiting the possessions wasn't the way to go because you're also causing yourself to be super efficient on offense. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a ton of lessons I could probably take away from that loss that'll serve them well in, in their next meeting. And, and also keep in mind, they're going to get the chiefs in the regular season. Uh, so they, you know, they're not going to see them for the first time if they you know see them in the playoffs. So they will have played already. Um, and that's hard to say. I think it could be any number of lessons that you learn from that. I would hope that, that it's not, let's keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes because that seems to be what they tried to do. And it clearly didn't, didn't work.
0: I don't know. Do you think they tried to do that? I don't know if they tried to do that as much as they just didn't have a good day. And I have to go back and and watch the game over again a couple of times, but it was like that second, you know what I mean? That second drive, you know, that had, you know, a, a loss, a batted pass, two drops, you know, I, I, I think they did go into that game, and maybe I'm wrong. I thought they went into the game knowing they were going to need to score 38 points or 40 points to win the game. So I don't know if they wanted to limit possessions or they were just off that day. You know?
2: I I bring, well, I say that because of how short all the plays were Baker yeah. had his like lowest intended air yards of the season, yeah. other than that Raiders game.
0: Right. You saw a
2: lot of screens. You saw, um,
0: yeah,
2: uh, swing passes, uh, things that you didn't see a ton in games throughout the season. Right. Um, so they really wanted to keep it short, and it seemed they really didn't want to take any shots downfield. Not that they had players on this team who were going to necessarily get those shots, but. Uh, Putting together long drives, just the way that game went, yeah, led you to believe that maybe they didn't, you know, they didn't want those quick strike things. And you know, the Chiefs, the Chiefs weren't exactly scoring, you know, quickly either. They were right. They had some some longer drives, but
0: I know, I I know, it was just weird in that game that their their big players, their big name players, Nick, Jarvis, Austin Hooper. You know, they just didn't have their best days. They just didn't.
1: Right. I, I think we're talking about the two cornerstones of the team. I think we're talking about Baker Mayfield going to, you know, toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes, and we're talking about Miles Garrett making like two big plays, like mm-hmm. two kind of game-changing type of plays, maybe a strip sack or forcing Mahomes into an interception, um, or you know, a play like he made in this last game where he set up the third and 14, um, you know, a big sack at a big moment. I think maybe those are, those are the sorts of things I think you need against the Kansas city chiefs because they, they, they just punish you when you make mistakes and you almost have to play perfect. So you've got to have the ability to kind of do the same to them, create a few mistakes here and there. Cause they can get a little sloppy. And then also be able to kind of punish them and i think you're you're two kind of cornerstone guys miles garrett and baker mayfield they can kind of combine to do that so miles forces a mistake and baker makes them pay now to steal from tim misney
0: (laughs) now if odell were going to be on the team you know it's almost like you know you need a a guy like that that can be super starry in a game like that you're right i mean you would expect baker mayfield and and Miles Garrett to step up they're they're the number one overall picks in 2017 and 2018 to have games like that but against the chiefs i almost feel like you need a an odell beckham junior kind of guy to do the kinds of things that tyreek hill is going to do to you you know um and if it's not odell it's going to have to be somebody else like that just some unbelievable dynamic playmaker that has speed and unbelievable playmaking ability that is that can just go out there and light it up and kind of take over the game
2: who maybe is a linebacker who uses that speed and coverage ability to to slow down kelsey and and right. also get to the outside and limit <laughs> right. those uh, you know those jet sweeps to 5 yards instead of 13 right
1: <laughs> okay question 10 410 area code Interested in how you think the Browns would have matched up with the Buffalo Bills. I think it would have been a fun game. Um, You know, look, I know Buffalo looked really bad on Sunday and Josh Allen looked really bad on Sunday. I don't think the Bills would have looked like that against the Browns defense. Um, I did want to see a hundred percent miles Garrett chasing around Josh Allen. I think he probably could have gotten him to make a mistake or two, Uh, but I think it would have been a really fun football game. And I think there would have been a lot of points too. I think, Josh Allen and that Bills passing attack would have put up a ton of points on the Browns defense, but I think the Browns also uh, would have managed to, to put up some points on the Bills. So I think that would have been a very, very fun AFC championship game. Um, and I just, I don't think it would have looked that, that, Buffalo Bills team wouldn't have looked like they looked against Kansas city, whatever Steve Spagnuolo has those guys doing right now. They're flying around, they're shutting down. You know, we've talked about it with the Browns, but they did it too with Stefan Diggs. Um, He's got that defense playing really well right now. Um, So I I think it would have been a fun game. I think the Browns match up pretty well with Buffalo.
0: Go ahead, Scott.
2: I I think they would have been able to run on him for sure. And I think, uh, you know, that would have been a game that maybe you would have saw some of those explosive runs that we got used to seeing from Chubb and Hunt during the season. Um, But yeah, I mean, there, a lot of the things that we were thinking we might have seen with the chiefs in that game and that matchup, I think they were more likely to happen. If you, if you play the bills and that could have been, you know, the high scoring, the high scoring game that that is close. So I think it would have been a good game. I think you're right.
0: Yeah. I I think it would have been a good game. I think that um, the thing that Steve Spagnuolo did, which, which I thought he had a great game plan against the Browns. And I thought he had a great game plan against the bills. And he's a really good defensive coordinator. And I think that is a major reason why they are going to the Super Bowl. I mean, he, you know, they, they basically took Nick Chubb out of the game and frustrated him. And they took Jarvis Landry out of the game and frustrated him. Uh, against the Bills, they did something entirely different. I mean, they just kept blitzing. And it seemed like blitzing from, from uh, the outside and kind of just hamstringing is that a word um (laughs) (laughs) they hamstrung josh allen i mean like he couldn't get outside you know i mean and i the browns don't really blitz like that you know so i don't know that they would have been able to uh make josh allen as ineffective as the chiefs did. I don't know that they would have been able to do that. So I do think that it would, there would have been more scoring. I don't think they would have been able to hold them to 15 points. I think he would have had a better game against that Browns defense, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think it would have been, I, I think the Browns would have given them, given them a good game. Like Scott said, I think they would have been able to run on them. Uh, I, I think that would have been a really good battle. I think it would have been a really good battle, but I, I think Josh Allen would have had a much better game, both running, and passing on the Browns' defense than he did against the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, and and look, the Chiefs put a lot of pressure on you as an offense. They just do. You Mm -hmm. know, if you have empty possessions, it it can be absolutely killer. They put so much pressure on you. Sometimes you play a little bit out of character. Um, You know, we saw with Baker through that interception in the third quarter. Um, You know, that was a very out-of-character pass for what we saw from him in the second half. And just sometimes they make you panic a little bit because you you just can't come up empty and then you try and do things maybe you shouldn't all right um that'll do it then 10 questions from our uh, our texters here on our wednesday orange and brown talk podcast make sure you're subscribed to football insider at cleveland.com slash browns and click on that blue banner and make sure you're subscribed to the orange and brown talk feed anywhere you get your podcasts for scott and mary cam dan thanks for listening everybody.